Caution. What you are about to hear was recorded under the influence of adult beverages. There was also a very noisy dog hanging out in the studio with me and audio recorded over Discord. So I apologize for the audio quality in this two-part episode. If you can look past that, I think it's uh, very funny and occasionally informative. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. To Donuts and Chill, the sometimes live podcast where we sample all the tasty bits of art, visual science, pop culture, donuts, and chill. I am Velta Catley. Today we are talking about a very special bit of animation history, the manga and anime franchise known as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We are recording this live on Twitch on November 29th, and in two days... We get the first drop of the anime's newest season, Stone Ocean. If you have no idea what JoJo is, but you would like to find out, strap in, because we're going to go on a bizarre adventure today. And either way, I'm going to be drinking throughout, and if this ends anything like our last Drunk History episode, uh, the stream is just going to dissolve into tears and passionate monologuing, so... Let's get into it. Those of you joining me live, you can see the very special and very meticulous game board that I have set up for today. I organized all my juicy tidbits and some that I don't have yet into categories that we will sort through by playing Jopardy. So viewers, you can you can use channel points to call out any of those panels that you want me to talk about. Otherwise, I'm just going to kind of go through in the order that I think makes the most sense. Before we start, why don't I explain what these categories are? We've got Araki's Quiet Life. That is the, uh, the, the life, the, <laughs> this is the one I didn't finish, <laughs> the biography of the author of Jojo, the creator, his life and career. We've got actual history, which is the actual history of the Jojo manga, anime, and beyond. This is also not finished. We'll figure it out. <laughs> We've got the world, which is the part-by-part plot synopsis of all of the anime seasons. Collabs? I couldn't think of funny names for most of these, but over the years, Jojo has partnered with some interesting artists and brands, and so we talk about some of them there. Was that a JoJo reference? Is memes. Just memes. Just memes. Because there sure are a lot of them. So had to had to give memes their own category. And spin-offs, again, not a very creative name. It is spin-offs and adaptations of the story in other media. What a guest says, I can use any history or background. I never watched the show. Okay. Why don't we start with the plot? Uh, the world category first. <laughs> I was going to say so that you know what the hell is going on, but I still don't know what the hell is going on in JoJo. So so we're going to talk about the plot of part one, Phantom Blood. This is where it all starts. 
Phantom Blood is the introduction of the Joestar family that we come to know and love throughout this entire series. Oh, by the way, spoilers. Might should probably go without saying, but spoilers. Lots of spoilers. Okay. So, part one takes place in Victorian England, so of course I'm into it. Of course I am. We meet a wealthy uh, socialite named George Joestar. And George takes in a young boy named Dio Brando to repay a debt to Dio's dead father. But Dio's kind of a dick. And he grows up alongside George's own son, Jonathan Joestar. And Jonathan is the most wholesome, sweet little cinnamon bun in the world. But uh, yeah, Dio, he's an asshole. He has a chip on his shoulder and he hates the Joestar family and he vows to kill them all. So long story short, he finds a magical stone mask from like the Aztecs, sort of, not really. We learn more about that later. Finds this magical stone mask, uh, turns him into a vampire, basically. He's a demon vampire man now. Well, Dio's turning into a Robert Pattinson vampire. While that's all happening, Jonathan Joestar, who is also ripped, befriends a man who is named R.E.O. Speedwagon. Yes, that is his name. And yes, there is a lot of that in this show. He also makes a friend named Zeppeli, who explains how that magical vampire demon man can be defeated. So the solution that he tells Jonathan is he has to use Hamon, also known as Ripple, which is a special power. It's made of sunlight and yoga, and it's magic, and it can kill vampires. So Jonathan, using his magical sun powers, and Dio, using his sexy vampire powers, have a showdown, and Jonathan wins, sort of? Not really, but sort of. So Dio survives by cutting off his own head. Again, I don't know how it all works. It's a whole thing, but if we fast forward months later, because nothing of importance really happens then, uh, Jonathan is going on his honeymoon, or some, he's going on vacation with his wife, right? He's out on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Well, Dio's head is also on that boat, and Jonathan finds out, and it's bad. So Jonathan decides he is going to blow up the boat in order to save everybody on it. It doesn't work. And we will learn exactly how it doesn't work in later parts. But that is a summary of part one, Phantom Blood. People say you can skip this part. Don't, don't skip it. Why would you skip it? Why would you skip it? Part one is also where one of the choice Jojo memes comes from that we will also talk about later. So moving right along, I'm going to keep going down this route so that we can try to make a modicum of sense. We'll do the plot. Of part two. Part two follows Jonathan's grandson, Joseph. So we have Jonathan, we have Joseph. Jonathan's dead. Mostly dead. Grim Rainbow Redeemed Apassione shot. Alright, cheers. Alright guys, part two, battle tendency. Jonathan's grandson, Joseph. He's an arrogant hunk who moves to New York City in 1938. So keeping in mind what is happening in the real world in 1938. Yes, there will be Nazis. Okay, so Joseph arrives in New York, blah, 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 blah. He meets his grandfather's old buddy, Ario Speedwagon. And Speedwagon has struck it rich in the oil game. 
And now, for whatever reason, he is leading an expedition to kill the last of the Pillar Men. Now, the Pillar Men are an ancient race of basically perfect, perfectly evolved humans, sort of, kind of. And they're, like, in hibernation, but, like, they're, they're superhumans. They're superhumans. Gas redeemed to hydrate. Thank you. So, anyway, the Pillar Men are the ones who created the stone mask from part one. So, they're the ones that made the vampire... The scary vampire mask. And Speedwagon wants... It's like He's like, we gotta, we gotta eliminate those pillar men. We just we gotta get rid of them. And then there's a whole thing with Nazi scientists. Like I said, it's kind of rough. And the Nazi does eventually become a Joe bro. But like, I don't know how I feel about it still. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Joseph, our hunky protagonist, defeats the pillar man, whose name is Santana. Yes. He beats Santana with his Hamon abilities that he inherited from his grandfather. But surprise, surprise, he's not the last Pillar Man. There's actually three more named Wamu, Cars, and ACDC. Yes, those are their names. So, Joseph then meets an equally hunky Caesar Zeppeli. Mm, there's a lot of Italians in this, in this show. So he meets Zeppeli, the grandson of Jonathan's old buddy, the original Zeppeli. So together, Caesar and Joseph both train in Italy under a master named Lisa Lisa. Some weird peeping happens. It's interesting. They train together under Lisa Lisa, and they get real good at their hormone skills. And then together, they kill ACDC. But then Wamu kills Caesar. And then Joseph gets super pissed because they killed his bro. So he kills Wamu. And then eventually, they kill Cars, who is the last one, I think. And it's very dramatic. And then he runs off and he marries Lisa Lisa's assistant. And they live happily ever after, mostly. Not really. We'll get to that in part four. Let's go to the next part. Here it is. Part three. Probably the most popular part of them all. Part three. Stardust Crusaders. We jump forward from 1938 to 1988. We see Joseph again. But he is the sprightly age of 68. So he arrives in Japan where his grandson, Jotaro, is supposedly being haunted. It's just kind of funny. I kind of like how they introduce this concept, but au contraire. It turns out Jotaro's not being haunted. He has the power to summon a magic punch ghost called a stand. It's great. So a stand is a representation of your soul, I guess. But it's just an excuse for everybody to have a sick ability. A sick magical punch ability. Jotaro's main ability is that his stand can punch real good. But it's also real fast. And that comes into play. So. <laughs> stands. Why does he all of a sudden have a stand? Well, we don't, f we don't fully find that answer out in this part, but essentially it's because Dio has finally managed to attach his decapitated head to Jonathan Joestar's body, and he has become a fusion of Dio and Jojo, and he has awakened his own stand, and that awakens the stands in all of Jonathan and Dio's offspring, all of their bloodline. They all get stands. But also other people get stands and blah, 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 blah. it's not important. It's kind of important. So Dio, Dio attached himself to Jonathan. This Frankenstein monster awakened the stand. 
brought out everyone else's stands. Jotaro has a stand now. But Jotaro's mom, who is also a Joe star, she's not cool enough to wield a stand, I guess because she's a woman. I don't know. So the stand magic is actually slowly killing her. So Jotaro and Joseph decide to find Dio and kill him once and for all to end the vampire curse. Very classic. Kill the original vampire. It's good. It's good shit. Okay. So they embark on this grand expedition of theirs with a a group of fellow stand users that include a Japanese teenager, a horny Frenchman, a fortune teller, and a dog. One of their allies is a dog who has a stand. So this ragtag group of hunky punch boy heroes make their way across the world to eventually track down Dio in Egypt. And the whole time they're fighting various stand-using assassins whom Dio has hired to kill them. There's kind of a bro road trip vibe, but there's also lots of murder. So many, many, many battles later, Dio gets owned for good this time, I think. And that's the end of part three. This makes complete sense so far, right? Let's go to part four, canonically and factually the best part. I'm stating facts. It's 1999, baby. And it turns out <laughs> Joseph Joestar from, again, parts two and three. He had an illegitimate kid in Japan named Josuke. Josuke is a teenager in 1999, and he has an epic pompadour, and he is the goodest boy. He's the goodest of boys. He's the best. Okay, here we go. Okay, so Jotaro goes and meets his uncle, who's younger than him. There's a lot of that in this family. He goes and meets Josuke and explains to him the history of their family and how stands work, and he's like, I got bad vibes about the city that you live in. Mm. I'm Jotaro. I'm grumpy all the time. Ooh. Oh, hang on. Okay. All right. I will do. I will do that after I finish this one, Grim. Thank you for redeeming that. Ooh, we're gonna jump. I'm excited. So back to part four. Right. So Jotaro's like, hey, there's a lot of people missing in this little town of yours, and there's evil stand users afoot. Come join me, teenager, and let us solve mysteries together. And so in the course of solving these mysteries, Josuke meets and befriends several other local stand users. Again, I don't really know. We, we know how some of them get their stands, but we don't know how all of them get their stands. But he meets a bunch of them, including Okuyasu, who I lied earlier. Josuke is not the best boy. Okuyasu is the best boy and the goodest boy. He's truly the bestest boy that there is. And... He and Josuke become best friends, and then the two of them are, are a dynamic duo with the murdering. Mur well, murdering and murder solving. They kind of do both. Anyway, I really, really like this particular plot because it's unlike the, the previous parts because it's more localized. It's literally about a teenager doing teenager things, except also there's magical ghost murderer people. At first, when I first uh, uh, watched it, I was a little put off by that. I was like, all right, hang on. We were just like killing the king of all vampires and now we're like going out on a bro date with our best friend but it's very good anyway the main thrust of the story the main point that they get at 
is that they're tracking down a longtime serial killer who, you guessed it, has a stand. He's a big old pervert and he sucks. And aside from that, we get to see a lot of cool supernatural shit in this part, including aliens and actual ghosts. We also see Joseph once again. He's nearing 80 at this point, but he shows up for the first time to meet his son and like, it's kind of cute. All right. All right. Okay. We'll move on. We'll move on to Grimm's request for 200, for actual history for 200. These are a little shorter than the plot lines. I got really excited about the plot line ones. So Jojo's Bizarre Adventure was originally serialized as a manga. For those of you uninitiated, um, a manga is a Japanese comic. And it was serialized in a weekly magazine called Shonen Jump. The first chapter of Jojo was published on January 1st. 1987. So Jojo, the story, is, is older than me. The very first chapter to be published, the prologue, we see the origins of that stone mask that would was featured in part one. Butterfly effect leads to the next 1,000 or so chapters. Because yes, after over 30 years of being published, Jojo is the longest ongoing series in Shueisha's various jump magazines longest ongoing series still going on today we're actually in the middle of a break between parts right now so kind of an interesting time that this happens but oh yes it's tim what it for 1000 okay was that a jojo reference okay so that is memes just memes so one of those many many things that you can ask is that a jojo reference you can ask when anyone uses the word donut there are many donuts in Jojo, and here are a couple of examples. As I said, spoilers, people, spoilers. And the thing is, Araki really likes, for whatever reason, he really likes people just getting punched, a whole, like hole punched through the center. They have become donuts. But yes, I felt I had to, I had to include the donuts because this is technically donuts and chill. The point is, lots of people get punched through the gut and die. However, we learned in part four that if you get punched through the gut, but like you're not a full donut, you're like a like a C, then you get to live. Then you get to live forever and ever. Okay, y'all are redeeming things faster than I can do them. First, I have to do Grimm's, right? Yes, I have to do Grimm's. Grimm redeemed the world for 1000. Okay, so this is this is part five that we're going to talk about here. It's the Italian boys. It takes place in Italy. In 2001, no place I would rather be. And okay, so like Joseph, Dio also has a little little illegitimate son in the 80s. Except the son is kind of Joseph's uncle or half uncle or some shit. Because Dio fathered him after the whole fusing with Jonathan's body thing. And anyway, nowadays the kid goes by Giorno Giovanna, which makes him a Jojo because with the Italian spelling of G-I-O, is also a nod to Dio, which is great and clever, and I love it. Anyway, Giorno doesn't really have family, so to speak. Um, absent father's kind of a recurring theme, whether it's by intent or just being dead. But So Giorno basically gets by in Italy as a low-level criminal until one day he gets into a scrap with the wrong mafia goon. And it prompts a beautiful little donut named Bruno Butterati to seek Giorno out and engage him in a stand battle and 
get homoerotic with it, like many of these characters do. But then Giorno is like, I want to infiltrate the mafia, and I want to turn it into an organization that does good instead of evil. And Bruno's like, hell yeah, and takes him under his wing, because Bruno adopts little lost boys. Giorno's the only good child of Dio. Probably. But we don't know. There's so much we don't know. But probably. He's so good. And he's only good because he's also the son of Jonathan, who is, again, a cinnamon roll. He also has cinnamon rolls in his hair. Anyway, Giorno reveals his big dream. He has a dream. Bruno takes him in. Bruno has a whole gaggle of these little misfit gangster boys who dress like they're models in a 1970s runway show. And together, they all set out to uncover the identity of the mob boss so they can overthrow him, basically. It involves carrying out a very high-stakes mission to earn his trust by returning his estranged daughter to him. But yada yada yada, becomes apparent that the boss isn't just a criminal, no 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 no, he's straight up evil. So the guys shed any pretense and they try to track the boss down another way. So the boss then sends a team of stand-using assassins after them, and they defeat him one by one, and it's good. There's some real, real, real pervs in this season. Some real, some real freaks. And they all have rock and roll-themed names. Well, the humans all have food-themed names, and their stands all have rock and roll-themed names. It's all very, very good. Basically, whole thing leads to a wild showdown, in the Coliseum. Friends, the showdowns were donkulous and it's wild and the opening is super hella good and it doesn't make a lot of sense, but we get to see a beloved character from part three make a triumphant return and it's very good and everything's good. And everything's good and the mob now has a 15 year old boss. So there's that. All right, let me see what the next thing was. B-Boy Hero redeemed the torture dance. Now I gotta fucking pull up the torture dance. I didn't think anyone would do it. It's a good time to redeem it though, because we talk we're talking about we're talking about part five. Here we fucking go. Thanks, Jeremy. Do we have to sit through this? Well, that happened. Anyway, we got to get back to the thing. This is technically a podcast, everyone. Guys, let's talk about actual history. That's what this that's what this whole thing's about. This wasn't his first publication. This wasn't his first manga. Cool Shock BT, which I think he did like a JoJo crossover with Cool Shock, I think. It looks like if you like smooshed what we what we have come to know as the JoJo style with like Studio Ghibli influenced Steven Universe CalArts, quote unquote. We have an episode about that style. Like smoosh them together. So like before he was like, mm, I'm just gonna I'm just I'm just gonna draw muscles. Um and okay. <laughs> that, that came out in uh 82, 82, 82. Araki's been doing this shit. He's my parents' age, y'all. And he's been doing this shit since he was a young lad. So like I'm an old ass, like one foot in the grave, decrepit, senile old woman. And like my mom is a contemporary, shall we say, of uh, Araki. So he references Jojo a shit ton in the latest Cool Shock series, says Tim. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I knew I had a point there. He made his debut 
1980 with the one-shot poker under arms and began his professional career with Cool Shock BT. Bao, I haven't read, and Gorgeous Irene, which also makes like cameos in JoJo. He's a cool guy. He's written a lot of stuff. He's drawn a lot of stuff. He's he's very good at very weird art and writing. I'm just freeballing it here. One thing I wanted to talk about in the history is um, related to the fact that he's been doing this since the 80s. That I found interesting, and maybe you will too, but um, up until the very, very best part, again, canonically, factually, up until the best part, he was writing in the past slash present, right? He's writing stories in Victorian England. He's writing stories in um, the 30s, in the 80s. When he was writing part four, which takes place in 99, and we all, hopefully we all remember what 99 was like, he was writing that in 92. So he was writing for the future, which is kind of interesting to, kind of interesting to consider when you watch or read that part. Because despite using pop culture references constantly and like his naming, um, the way he names things, constantly referring to pop culture icons but he doesn't specifically refer to them in the story or like refer to technology in the story i couldn't have known when i was watching part four for the first time that it was written before 1999 happened because i obviously watched it fucking 20 years after it happened christ anyway uh he's a fucking artist dudes Dudes, he's a fucking artist, so he has naturally had many art exhibits, mostly in Japan, but not entirely in Japan. So I will shout out a bunch of them really, really quick here. Uh, his first exhibit was in 2003. So again, I like to think about what the hell was I doing in 2003? Yeah, dude, dude's, dude's first exhibit was in 2003. So again, if we consider that he was born in what, 1960? Like, holy hell. It's pretty late in your career to have your first solo exhibit. But yeah, he had he had his first exhibit in Paris. Yeah, uh, his first solo exhibit, uh, Jojo in Paris. It was the Ordemont Vedovi Gallery in Paris. And he exhibited his freaking artwork, y'all. He also participated six years later in the Louvre Invites uh, Comic Arts, which was a cool concept to begin with. The Louvre, famous, beautiful art museum uh, focusing on comic arts. Very cool. But yes, uh, that is how um, Rohan Visits the Louvre originated, whatever. It's 2009. We're going to fast forward three more years. We're going to go to Araki's Jojo exhibition in Japan for the 25th anniversary of Jojo. <laughs> I think because of the anime, Jojo had kind of a renaissance. Um, 25th anniversary, 2012. He had an exhibit in Japan. There was also a Jojo festival in Japan. So fucking cool. Apparently in the town where it happened, a bunch of places had like part four themed stuff. It was Jojo festival. Y'all, this was 2017. This was for the 30th anniversary. Oh, shit, Tim's in the discord. Tim, you are one of the first people who was like, hey, Valerie, you need to partake in this situation that's happening. It's a it, listen. It's a good show. <laughs> I've, I've 
I've always liked it. You, you and Jordan, I think, were very enthusiastically like, there's this show and everybody poses. I don't know how to explain it. All the time. (laughs) All poses all Um, the time. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like you did sort of mention that, like, I mean, this, this has been going on for years. Like, yeah, at this point, it's way, well over like 30 years at this point. And that's crazy. Um, But like early like internet stuff like it, i don't know if it's in was that a jojo reference but there's some like really old stuff that like that's true i i saw as a as a as a young lad and it just like i only later did i realize was was such this huge jojo reference um yeah like, yeah one of one of the oldest things that i remember seeing of it was it was a uh, an animation on albino black sheep it was just a flash animation of albino uh, black sheep yes thank yeah, you yeah of of stand cries from uh, <laughs> from part five and then they did the the world at the end no not a lot of people knew what it was from but like it was still very impactful and only years later did i realize oh my god i get everything that's in this animation now right and yeah i i kind of like through osmosis knew about jojo i knew that very surface level like it's a weird anime and it's hunky dudes posing dramatically and that's about it and yeah, <gasps> Is it Jeremy? Excuse me. Hello, Jeremy. It might be. A little bit? Hello. I am now joined by not one, but two artists who are fantastic and whom I love with all my heart. Tim and Jeremy. Hello. You make me tear up. I think my first time seeing JoJo was actually the fighting game. uh, Yes, yes. One of my neighbors had it imported. Like the uh, original PS to play ps1 one like uh heritage for the future uh, was it was it before the ps1 there's there's been so many games and now i want to own all of them after reading about them it was uh, yeah like, yeah the original playstation had had heritage was, for the future uh, and also arcade but that's different yeah the playstation was the first time that i got introduced it was a play the playstation fighting game and then the i don't remember if it was like a an OVA or something that Shonen sent out. It, it, show, it displayed like the original fight with uh, Dio and Jotaro. Yeah, no, they were, I know. I forget the the name of the company that that uh, that did it, but I mean, there was a, a huge a huge project for like that that original OVA of 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 doing as much of part. Uh, as much of a part three as they, yeah. they could in like eight <laughs> episodes or eight or 12 episodes. Um, but yeah, no, I remember seeing the, that original OVA and the very strange little differences. Like it's not a steamroller. It's a, it's a tanker truck. So it explodes at the end. <laughs> um, they were uh, terrible, but great. All I right. Right. I mean, you just described the series. <laughs> i mean well I, I think i think there's still like groups that still religiously play heritage of the future like to this day um it is it is a weird little niche of the of the fighting game community 
Um, but yeah, you could hmm. you could play the Super Nintendo point and click adventure game for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh uh, my god, the RPG! Yeah, you could do that. Uh, What's is it? The, is it Eyes of Heaven? There's one that you can play as Okiyasu, and that's all I'm interested in, frankly. Uh, yeah, Eyes of Eyes of Heaven and the latest like All Star Bat. Something? Yes. Yeah, All-Star Battle. Yes, 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 All-Star yes, Battle yes. and and Eyes yes. of Heaven. You can, you can. It's sort of like a big. It's the Smash Brothers of JoJo. Yes. Everyone's here. You can also do the a PS2 for GeoGeo's Bizarre Adventure, which is just part five, as a as a game you could play. Right, that was like the like Streets of Rage type of game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. Or if you want to waste money, you could get into a gacha game like diamond records <laughs> i was thinking I, about downloading the um... i like i like money so i think <laughs> i would play a gacha game it's a trap i do i do i do want to get the the ios game just because just because it's just a trap because. be careful <laughs> You'll go in just wanting to collect all the Okiasus, and then you'll have no money by the end of it. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> um, Grim, I see your question. Does it does Shonen Jump still send out shorts slash one episodes with the monthly serials? I don't know what you mean by that question. I know that they went digital, so you don't you don't get the mag- magazine anymore. So I was like Forget that. I don't want this. Yeah, I have like the digital subscription thing. I don't know. Yes, no. Yu Gi Oh cards. Yes. Those are the best. Hey, y'all want to do an episode about Yu Gi Oh? <laughs> I know far less about Yu Gi Oh than I do about JoJo. True. Uh, I mean, same. And and, and for for uh, vastly less, I mean, not at all. I, I don't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh. I really only I, know like the first season of the anime, and that's about it. I know there's monsters, and you duel with them, and uh, you got attack and defense position, and that's about it. That's all. Yeah, yeah. that's all I got. It's like stands, but with ho- ho- holo- holograms. I'm the nerd now. Uh oh! I'm the I'm the I'm the, <laughs> I'm the one who took uh, Yu-Gi-Oh very competitive until I was like, there there's never been something that I've I've gotten like, a com- like competitively into, so that's very cool. <laughs> All I know about competitive Yu-Gi-Oh is that guy who had like the 200 card deck or whatever. I think it was I think it was 2000. 2000. Just 2000. Make, just to make a point. Just to make a point, right? <laughs> That guy's my hero. Yeah. That's that's what I want to be known for. I think like the rule is as long as you can shuffle the deck <laughs> without any assistance, then you're fine. This is a wild episode of your podcast, by the this, way. Yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna edit this one. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, y'all wanna talk about memes? We can talk about memes. Oh wait. Here's the thing. That is what I just read <laughs> for two hundred. Yes. Okay. Alright. Listen, I will help slash hinder this podcast. <laughs> I, will, I will move it. I will move it along. Okay, we're going to talk about category. Was that a JoJo reference? And the meme is, was that a JoJo reference? Which is just a meme in and of itself. And it gets meta and 
so much of Jojo gets meta. I think that really just does come with the territory of Araki referencing so many things in real life. Yes. And then it just sort of, it's a, it's a nasty cycle repeating on itself. For those of you who don't know, like Tio Andy, was that a Jojo reference is a meme. And it is because Jojo has, has been going for so long and done so many things that everything is a Jojo reference. I don't want to explain memes, but I will just show you what I put in my notes. As you can see, I did not particularly write a robust script for this part. <laughs> the butterfly, it's a Jojo reference. It's a reference to Jolene. She is the protagonist of this next part of the anime that is dropping in two days. Too many levels to this. There's too many I'll levels. Say, I'll, I'll say it. There's too, too many, many levels. To There's too many levels. Everything is a JoJo reference. Walking is a reference. Fucking... Breathing is a reference. <laughs> Breathing is a reference. Uh, uh, wheelchairs, knives, yes. Pointing at things is a JoJo reference. Turtles, a very important JoJo reference. Italy and Japan <laughs> existing are jojo references the point is was that a jojo reference is a meme in and of itself everything's a jojo reference because everything in jojo is a reference to something else it's meta it's big brain stuff timothy timothy you are the perfect you are the perfect folk to have on this particular stream tim what's your twitter account or whatever social media of your choice um, it is the same as my Twitch. Uh, it's, oh yes, it's Tim. It's, it's based on its own little in-joke that I had with my brother. There you go. Uh, uh, and yeah, I do a bunch of pixel art. I've been doing that for a while. And actually, this is slightly unrelated, but I've been doing go some streams it. recently. Hell yeah. A lot of fun. I didn't know you were streaming. Awesome. Very cool. Done it. Done it twice now. It's pretty good. Nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, y'all, Tim's one of my buddies from art school who is just the coolest, the best. We used to work together and we would absolutely not do our job while he was showing me JoJo clips on our work iPad. <laughs> that is true. That's 100% true. That's 1,000% true. I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, I I wish I could remember the exact context, but you were like, I think Jordan, our our good friend Jordan, who's a perfect perfect human being, like came in to say hi one time, and I don't know, it just became a JoJo conversation, and I was like, hey, I guess I'll watch this show. I suppose this won't take over the rest of my life and my existence. It's fine. It sneaks up on you. It's Lee. Hello, 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 hello. Hi. It's it's uh, lovely to be here. Uh, what I wanted to, well, what I wanted to ask was, um, what's with the, um, the credits song in part five? <laughs> it's, it's the horniest. <laughs> yeah. It is the horniest. It, it is the horniest. Yeah. It is the horniest. Well, I mean, like, have you seen the rest of part five? <laughs> well, at, at, at first, <laughs> when you first watch yeah, you get to the, the end of the first episode and you're like, what the hell is this song? And then you get to the end of part five and you're like, okay, that song was just about Bruno this whole time. Well, yeah. You get to the now end of the series. And 
get to the end of the series and it's just like I miss that song. <laughs> yeah, it's like a nostalgic uh, song. Uh, it takes me back. What if if you could make a prediction, Val or Lee? What do you think will be the ending song for part six? Oh fuck! If it's anything but Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me, flaccid pancake. Excuse me. Do you think Fred Durst watches JoJo? Uh, sorry, I'm getting off topic. Uh, what's your What's your prediction? Oh, I don't know. It's got to be something. I mean, something, I, I like uh, the idea of like new metal sort of. Oh yeah, it just like cuts to oh oh. I would lose my mind. Shoots and ladders by corn. Tendeka says boys to men, which. Ooh. Could could work. That I like. I'm. I mean, I would have never have guessed freak in you. So it could be literally <laughs> I don't know anything. anything about part six. So I don't know what would be uh, like thematically like appropriate. I mean, all I read was I think the first chapter. So women masturbating. What's what songs? What songs are about women masturbating? Beyonce, Destiny's Child. What? Well, usually, usually it kind of has to be about the the same, uh, this the same uh, like time time frame for just about. So, fair, fair. what happened in two thousand three? No, no, three. When, when was when was Wait. seven? When was part six? I looked this up recently. It happened very recently. It happened when I was in college. So very well, I would like to think very recently. See, Olympus get off from Florida. Or at least Fred Durst is. <laughs> Which is Fred why Durst. my mind went... went Christ. Down. Listen, I think it <laughs> it might it might be, and uh, it might be very funny if it was. Um, God, please be Limbiscuit. Please. I think it, it, it hinges completely <laughs> on what song they pick. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Limbiscuit's back catalog. And, and I don't know I, how the licensing the works. Because they can't... Me? 2011 oh, is when uh, when part six uh, part six takes place. Is, is it likely to be a song from around 2011? Then I don't know. Is that, how, is that how they traditionally pick them? Maybe I think so. Maybe yes. Oh, uh, there's so much stuff to pick from. No Limp Bizkit. They had an album in 2012. I think. Didn't Fred Durst have like a cruise, like a year ago? I don't know. I was making fun of Limp Biscuit when I was like fifteen, so I don't know. I I know a lot about Limp Biscuit. And I don't want to make this a Limp Biscuit podcast. <laughs> uh, but I know nothing about a cruise. Their new album just came out, though. But you should look up their artwork. Okay. Like right now, it's or in general? Oh no, it's just <laughs> just when you get five minutes, just look it up and think about it. Listen, all I know is that in my fanfic, I'm talking about the pop punk bands that were present at that time so i don't know blink 182 is there a whole section about fanfic in this listen i don't want to talk about it is it spinoffs is it collabs (laughs) is it is it the secret seventh seventh it's the double jeopardy column it's a double jeopardy (laughs) okay hold on i need to i need a place strategically and i'm just gonna start (laughs) randomly going for double jeopardy listen Go spinoffs for eight hundred. Okay, for two hundred, for eight hundred, for eight hundred. I'm trying to find that daily double. (laughs) 
Um, oh, okay. So 800 was films. Jojo Phil- films. Movies. So, I mean, we could talk about the live action thing. Diamond is Unbreakable. That was a film. It was a film. Gas is in it. <laughs> he is in it. And he is the best boy. So, I will talk about it. No, um, okay, okay. Dear pod, dear future self editing a podcast and cobbling it together. It was a live action film based on part four. I did watch it. It was cute. It was decent. Um, have y'all have y'all seen the the live action film? Uh I have not. Uh I've I've seen uh little clips here and there. Um uh, yeah, I haven't seen the seen seen it all the way through. I know it's they not... changed a little bit of things, essentially to speed up for like yeah. a feature film. Uh, it's fairly loyal. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it was part four, so I I I enjoyed it. But um, yeah, but yeah, I it is I a fun watch if you like part four already. If you like part four, if you have taste, I think yeah, I think if you weren't familiar with it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't stand on its own very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fair, because you would have no f***ing idea who Jotaro is. Um, yeah. I got the I... feeling that the actor they got to play Jotaro is um, is pretty famous. I guess I don't. Oh. I got the feeling from the actor, but I couldn't tell. Maybe. I didn't look it look it up. He had a presence. He did have a presence. Jotaro does have a presence, and it's mostly Christ Almighty. I can't deal with you right now. Um, That's what I love about him. I know. Wait, is Jotaro your boyfriend or is Bruno your boyfriend? Both. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. Well, I mean, one's dead, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, his death hurts so you much. To, it hurts so you much. Have to pick one boyfriend from each part. Okay. Oh. Oh. Really? Can That's I, how I justify it to myself. Can I be? Can mine be Joseph from most parts? Just kidding, Tim. What is Joseph, what would your answer be? Uh, for all parts, I don't know. What would your I, who would your who which new category? Which JoJo would you date? Uh, out of all, no. What now? I'll I'll make this a game and go down <laughs> down the line. Uh, I think part one would be Speedwagon because, of course, <laughs> Speedwagon Fair. is the best. Fair. Uh, I, okay. All part, right. Part, part two, Speedwagon. Um, <laughs> uh, no. Messina. Yeah, Messina. I would date Messina. Okay. Okay. He's uh, got big muscles, uh, and he has my favorite line in uh, part two, which is when uh, they're chasing after cars, and Strosheim and you know Nazis show up. Uh, <laughs> uh, Messina is just in the back of the car, and he just goes, "I didn't expect the Third Reich to show up." Uh, and it's oh, it's a good line. It's a very it's very, very good, good line. It's very good. It's very it's good. A very good line. They, uh, Jojo did Nazis in a very particular way. They did broach that subject in a very particular way. They they broached it in a way like, well, I guess these giant. In, I mean, the Nazis would do this, so like the, the Nazis would do this, but we got to <laughs> deal with this giant flexing Aztec god right now. So bygones be bygones, I suppose. 
I guess you're a Joe bro now, I guess. I, oh, I guess. I guess. Um, three would be Polnareff, because of course. Polnareff, yes. Good. Correct answer. <laughs> oh, hang on. Tendeka says, how likely do you think that cars will come back, since he's not technically dead? Ooh. Hmm. There, there are conspiracy theorists that believe, um, uh, what's her, what's her face? Yakako is Carr's offspring. I think a lot of people have said that, uh, a theory is that Mikitaka was Carr's who had landed and lost all of their memory because oh. they can sort of shapeshift in, in a weird hmm. way that, that like, uh, ultimate life form Carr's can, but okay. It's such a it's such a strange little theory. I could buy that as much as anything else in JoJo. So yeah, yeah. In part four, this is a controversial pick, <laughs> um, because if I were to date this person, they wouldn't want to date me. Oh, um, it would be uh, Rohan Kishibe. Knew you were gonna say it. <laughs> he wouldn't, wouldn't want to date me, but oh, Rohan, oh, Rohan. That's why, like, when people ship like just gay and rohan i'm like where's that on this jeopardy boy <laughs> where's the hate sex category let me see is this is the secret is this is that the secret <laughs> it's the category? daily it's a daily double <laughs> i'm going for these daily doubles uh and five tim who do you ship from jojo <laughs> who do i ship I, who do you I, ship um uh, i ship uh steven steel and uh wamu that's that's my ship <laughs> uh, actually no I, I ship funny valentine with all alternate versions of himself mm, okay because because i think that's i think that's what he'd be with down for <laughs> i mean you didn't say joseph and caesar or just gay and akiyasu so interesting choice but yeah i'm a little bit out there <laughs> Anyway, I interrupted uh, you from actually saying something interesting. <laughs> oh, no. I, for, for five, I would say Abakyo, because I think Abakyo is very interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Former cop turned goth. Yeah. Y- yeah. A path we should all want to take. That, was a, that death was tough. Like, almost as tough as Bruno's. Almost. It hit me a little bit harder because of like how sudden it was. Yeah. Like Bruno, he had a little bit of build up, which was like, oh man, like he's gonna hang out with the boss. Mm. It's not gonna go well. I know this. (laughs) Um, But you know, you know, uh, it it it, it's it's a weird sort of like prodding at at sort of like how kind of a good person Abakio is. Like, yeah, I'll help (laughs) these kids just get out of here, and then, bam, like immediate sort of uh yeah consequences for his action um which is just super rough. fast and like rough. very very rough uh yeah. and then naranja yelling and just essentially weeping at the end oh my god like, yeah he couldn't accept it oh Ooh, fuck. side note to a thing that i did actually take notes about when jonathan died in jojo it was controversial People were like, y- you don't kill the protagonist of your series. And he was like, hang on. He's got a hunky grandson, though. Hang Watch on. It. Watch me. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You can't You can't kill your protagonist. Yeah, you don't do that. 
This is Shonen then, Jump. And and then he'd just be like, oh, but you know that antagonist? We're bringing him back. Definitely. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hansy Vampire Boy? Yes. He comes back a lot. Uh, and then part six would be Foo Fighters, because Foo Fighters is okay. great. And you'll, Fair. you, I think, I think you will learn how very, very, very good Foo Fighters is. That is the general consensus among people who spend their days making Jojo beams. That Foo Fighters is very good. I can't wait for the, for the new season. Oh, call, call Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl will let you use Foo Fighters. <laughs> do, you, do you think Dave Grohl is a Jojo fan? Let's discuss. Let's discuss. I think we can make him. Someone has his phone number. <laughs> get, get Dave Grohl in this Discord chat. Somebody get Dave Grohl on the line. Get in this Discord. My close personal friend, Dave Grohl. <laughs> Criminy. Uh, Jeremy says, Jeremy, come back to the Discord. But Jeremy says, I think Dave Grohl is in a JoJo because... He likes Fist of the North Star, and JoJo got a lot of inspiration from there. I mean, it's, JoJo... It's not, it's not too far of a jump. That's fair. We, That's we, fair. Could, we, could, we, could, we could we get him on board. Dave Grohl, lying in bed at night, on his iPhone, reading JoJo. He's in the chat now! <gasps> Dave Grohl, welcome! <laughs> Everybody, That's welcome. Okay. Welcome to the stream. Dave Grohl. David Grohl. I make an alternate account that is Dave <laughs> Grohl, the, the real Dave Grohl. Nung, I wish you were here to say thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael, for composing our music. Send us questions and shit at Donuts and Chill. Tim, thank you for hanging out with me on Discord. It was good to it was good to talk to you, even if, hey, even no if it was just about JoJo. Not, uh, not a problem. Yes, Lee, thank you for hanging out. Jeremy, you popped into the Discord for, for a hot second. Hello from the future. As you can imagine, this four-hour live stream turned into a two-part episode. So be sure to join us for the thrilling conclusion of the drunk history of JoJo. Until next time. I hope I, may, I, hope I get a good edit this episode. I hope I don't get the villain edit. <laughs>